What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul Padi. I'm here with my co-host, PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? All right, and we're back with another Pro Bowl episode. We had one earlier in the year about midseason, I think I'd say, kind of talking about predictions and who we'd have as our Pro Bowl quarterbacks up to that point in the year. It's going to be a little bit different than our normal reviews and previews episode, but it'll be interesting as well just to talk, see how everything has progressed since the last episode and kind of talk about how or where everyone's at going into the playoffs. We'll obviously talk about the playoffs in the coming weeks. Very excited for that, and that'll obviously change a little bit about what we think about who Pro Bowl quarterbacks are. But for now, here's what we have, and I'll get us started just mentioning who got into the Pro Bowl in real life. Uh, We're going to look at things a little bit differently, not really consider conferences as much as obviously the NFL does and kind of has to. But uh, the AFC, we have Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow who made it. And the NFC, we got Jalen Hurts, Geno Smith, and Kirk Cousins. Uh, Thoughts on that, PD? Um, Not a bad list of names, but you can see, like, there's a clear gap in strength between the AFC and the NFC, uh, with the AFC having far superior quarterbacks. And so that's what that's when you'll get, like, results like Kirk making the Pro Bowl in a year where he's not even playing his best football. So, you know. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is exactly why we're ignoring conferences in the in – the, basically what we're going to talk about later in this episode – But I will say I do think the NFL got it right in terms of who were the top three in each conference. I think Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow were pretty clearly top three in the AFC. Not only the AFC, but arguably the entire league. And then the NFC, obviously, Hurts was the clear frontrunner in the NFC. And outside of Geno and Kirk Cousins, I honestly don't know who else could really crack that top three in the NFC either. So I guess they technically got it right with the rules that they have set forth. But not, <clears throat> not really what we're looking to do here with quarterbacks. Uh, any interesting, like, potential replacements you think might replace one of these guys? Because AFC, I think one of those three will definitely end up in the in that Super Bowl, and they're going to have to get replaced, and we might see some injuries. So who do you think just made it out who you might we might end up seeing in there? Yeah, so really, it's just one name that it comes down to. He was first in the fan voting, and that's Tua. Um, mm-hmm. Tua, Tua had a had a nice season. Um, played really well. Uh, he obviously has a massive fan base, so that's where the fan voting comes in. Didn't make it because of the coaches and the players voting, which counts for sixty six percent, and the other thirty four percent is the fan voting. Um, so, I guess he's he's the only real candidate in my mind um, who was closest to deserving and uh, might actually end up making it because of the way the the AFC is structured um, in terms of the seeding and the fact that the top three seeds uh, have those three quarterbacks. So, you know. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about both conferences. I do think in the AFC, uh, realistically, the obvious answer, like you said, is Tua. But in my opinion, I think the one guy that did get left out Rightfully so, with those top three guys, and should be put in if one of them do end up going to the playoff of end up going to the Super Bowl. And I think he still might be the guy that ends up getting re- replacing one of these guys is Justin Herbert. 
I think he did have a better season than Tua, which I'll talk about later in this episode. But I think he's definitely one guy that honestly got a little snubbed because of the way the conferences work and how, uh, you know, how many people they put in there. And I do think he could be an interesting candidate in replacing one of those three guys. He obviously didn't have the fan vote Tua had. I don't exactly know how the replacements work in terms of who chooses them. But if fan voting is a huge part of it, then it'll probably end up to being Tua. But I think Herbert and maybe even Lamar deserve it more. And in the NFC, uh, I think it's there's a very realistic uh, scenario where we see Jalen Hurts make it out of the NFC. That would hurt to see as a Niner fan who obviously we're looking to win the NFC as well. But if Hurts does make it, there's a couple of guys who I think could replace him. One very interesting one, which I think would be very funny, but I think it would be a very NFL thing to do is put him in as a replacement. I think Daniel Jones has a realistic chance of being a real a replacement guy. And I want to put it out there that I don't think it should be Daniel Jones. But I think the narrative around him, the, the NFL does like putting a guy like Daniel Jones in there. Someone who's like the quarterback of a team that made the playoffs that maybe necessarily shouldn't have but he does have, like, a bit of a better year than he normally would, and it's just, like, a nice story. I think I think uh, he might get in there, but if I had to replace Hurts personally, I'd probably throw Brady or Rodgers in there, uh, but I do think with both of them having kind of down years from their usual and not as good as records as you would expect from them, the NFL might not throw them in there. Uh, they might throw in someone, like, quote-unquote, more interesting like a Daniel Jones. And someone else who could be thrown in there is maybe Dak Prescott, but I think the amount of interceptions he's thrown, even though it may not be reflective of his play exactly, I think that might keep him out of the Pro Bowl and the lack of games he's played. Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. I liked your analysis of what the NFL might be thinking. Um, But... With that being said, let's get into what what's really going on. In, in other words, uh, what we think. So, uh-huh. so I stated the criteria last time for uh, how I think of this. It's around thirty percent uh, to forty percent above league average, somewhere in that range. Um, I I use um, a stat to track uh, impact, where I just basically uh, see on on a given play how many yards is is the quarterback responsible for generating. And I compare that to the averages for passes and rushes uh, for quarterbacks. And that's kind of how I come up with this list. Um, of course, there's a bunch of different indicators um, because not all, uh, no stat is perfect. And uh, mine is n- no different as much as I try. So I have to make some adjustments um, for supporting cast and uh, areas where my stat doesn't really uh, do the best job. Um, and usually that comes with uh, quarterbacks who are like uh, throwing either throwing way too many interceptions uh, and taking too many bad sacks or um, throwing short passes that don't necessarily have the highest impact. So those are the two areas that um, I kind of have to adjust for. And then I have to also look at supporting cast. Um, so let's jump right in to the first tier um, that we have. Um, and these are the guys for me. Um they might might be different for Potty, but uh, for me, these are the guys that are clearly in, and 
it's a much shorter list than last time because you know the sample size has grown. Uh, we've mm-hmm. allowed for players to you know have more bad games and maybe even rise up the ranks in, in the case of one player here. But um, the guys who deserve to be in this category have shown themselves to be of this level, I think is how I would say it. Um, so the three guys that I have in this category are Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow. Um, I'll start with Patrick Mahomes and then I'll bounce it to Potty if he has anything else to say. Um, so Patrick Mahomes, I'm, I'm going to read some statistical stuff. Um, that are that are good indicators, I think, of play. Um, so, a point zero three point zero point three zero two EPA per play for Patrick Mahomes that ranks first in the league. Three point six completion percentage over expectation that ranks second, and a ninety one point three PFF grade which ranks second in the league. So, first, second, and second in these indicators, which are pretty strong for uh, indicating. Uh, how how efficiently you're completing your passes um, as compared to the windows that you're throwing into, uh, how well your offense is playing when you're throwing the ball, and PFF grade is like a kind of like an efficiency stat. That's how I think of it. Um, and yeah, Mahomes is performing well in all three of them as expected. He's incredible. So yeah, as he cruises to another MVP, he's obviously in my Pro Bowl tier. Uh, I don't know if you have anything to add about him. Uh, not a whole lot to add about Mahomes because for the most part, I agree with you. I think throughout this year, I've, well, throughout his career, I've been a big Mahomes guy. And I think this year (coughs) he really proved himself to be the guy that a lot of people in the NFL kind of have already proclaimed him to be, uh, despite him having kind of a down year last year, people still kind of had him at that one spot. And I think this year he definitely confirmed himself as that number one quarterback in the league uh, unquestionably. I feel like other than a couple of poor performances against like the Colts, I believe one of the Broncos games and like the Bills, he was pretty much lights out throughout the year. He's leading the league in pretty much every major quarterback stats, whether it be yards, touchdowns, uh, and he's leading one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, it was a bit of a Mickey Mouse way to get it, but he did get one seed again, well, once again. So overall, just a pretty dominant year from him. As PD said, he cruised to the MVP. So yeah, no doubt for me, he's definitely a Pro Bowl guy and probably a bit of a tier of probably or definitely in a higher tier along with a couple of the other guys we're about to mention. Yeah, so for Mahomes, um, thinking of the bad games, the first Denver game, kind of a bad game. The second Denver game, kind of average as well, actually. Denver does seem to give him trouble, even if they don't um, beat the Chiefs. Um, the Seattle game, I look at as a little a little bit of a, an off game. Um, and then other than that, it's really just the Buffalo game, I guess. Um, I don't I don't think yeah. of anything else. Oh, the Chargers game as well. Um, the first Chargers game. Um yeah, just, a, just an awesome season. Um, looking forward to seeing what he can do in the postseason. Um, and the second guy I mentioned uh, is Josh Allen. So 0.220 EPA per play, which is fourth, 0.9 completion percentage over expectation, which is 12th. But he has a 91.6 PFF grade, which is first in the league. And that's, that's kind of driven by uh, him being the best rushing quarterback in the league uh, per PFF. So um, an awesome season for Allen. He is... Probably 
the best guy if you want to manufacture uh, a shot down the field, in my opinion. He just generates explosive plays with his arm and his leg, like, no matter what, basically. Um, no matter what situation you put him in, he will find a way to make, make the big play. And I think um, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but I think people have a hard time wrapping their head around the fact that he can generate so many explosive plays and it can be so, so great that uh, the interceptions are basically not even an important point to consider because that's, that's the degree to which he's generating explosive plays. Um, it's like one and a half times more than the amount of times he puts the ball in harm's way, which is like, that that is an incredible driver of elite quarterback produ- production, and that's that's kind of the case for Josh Allen. Maybe you draw a parallel to like a John Elway or a Brett Favre historically, and those are that's the kind of quarterback Great that I'm looking to be at. Compared to yeah, and that's the kind of quarterback that I think of when when they give Josh Allen. So he also like Mahomes, probably a tier up from from the Pro Bowl tier, and um, yeah, looking forward to seeing what he can do in the playoffs as well. Yeah. Just like PD, I obviously have Allen in the definitely in tier for the Pro Bowl as well. And like I just mentioned with the Mahomes thing, he's probably a bit of a tier above. And I think pretty at this point, pretty much everyone has uh, Mahomes and Allen as one, one and two or one A, one B. I think both of them have definitely separated themselves from the rest of the league. And as PD said, a lot of it is because of Allen's ability to just consistently create explosive plays like nobody else in the league. Uh, All of the big plays with his arm, obviously he's got one of the biggest arms in the league, has a bunch of deep threats at receiver, and you see almost on a weekly basis we get like multiple big-time throws, uh, which you really don't see with many other quarterbacks. And his rushing is very unique as well because he's probably the only quarterback in the league who just dominates defenders physically. Like, pretty much every other rushing type of quarterback are beating you with your agility and speed. But Josh Allen doesn't have the kind of breakaway speed you see out of, like, a Lamar Jackson or a Justin Fields. And they literally using use him as, like, a bowling ball type running back. And he's still able to manage that being pretty much the entire rushing attack of the Bills because they don't really have the best run, running, room in, running back room in the league while being an elite plat- passer. I think the one thing that puts him at a little bit of a a little bit lower than Mahomes for me, which PD touched on obviously, is how often he puts the ball in harm's way. He's still in such an elite category because of how much he's able to make up for it, as PD mentioned. But him putting the ball in harm's way, uh, a bit probably one of the most in the league, and especially uh, someone as elite as him. I don't think I've seen. Uh, that many elite quarterbacks put the ball in harm's way as much as he does. But he makes up for it incredibly and an incredible season from him as well. He even developed the parts of his game that weren't so good, which is the short game, the getting the ball out quick and taking what the defense gives him. He's always had that explosive ability, but he developed on another part of the game that got them out of a lot of pickles. But uh, he did put them put the, this team in a lot of tough positions and even lose some games at the end of the game, which we saw uh, a couple of times this year because of his uh, poor decision-making at times. But overall, great season. 
I wonder um, if with the postseason, this would become Josh Allen's best season. And I think mm-hmm. in, in that vein, I think he could challenge for the number one spot for this season individually. Um, he went through a little bit of a stretch with that, that elbow injury where he kind of seemed off. His decision-making wasn't the greatest. His accuracy kind of dipped. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if maybe with a strong playoff run, uh, a stronger playoff run than Mahomes, I guess, because I see them as kind of like a similar level so far this regular season. Uh, I'm wondering if uh, Allen could separate himself uh, in the postseason and take the crown for, for the 2022 uh, best quarterback. But um, we'll see about that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would still favor Mahomes as of now. Um, moving on to the last guy that I mentioned, and that's Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow has followed his breakout season where he looked awesome last year with another great season. Uh, and this time in a totally different way, attacking with the short game, uh, more so with uh, without Jamar Chase, uh, having to focus on distributing the ball more uh, and utilizing really like replacement level players, I would say, um, really well, like a, a Tyler Irwin and, and names like that. And so... Uh, with injuries, injuries to Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins leaving multiple games, Jamar Chase uh, missing time and not looking healthy when he came back immediately. It's just, it's just an awesome season from Burrow where he sh- he really, uh, I-, I was already quite high on Burrow, but I think a lot of people finally came around on Burrow because he showed that situational versatility uh, instead of being just kind of like a big play guy, um, where. People wanted to see another dimension of him in the NFL. Um, and for me, I, I was always confident in that because of his prior at LSU. I, I was confident that he could do that in the NFL. But uh, it's good to show, good to see that he showed it in the NFL. So a point one six five EPA per play for Burrow, that ranks 7th. Uh, 2.7 completion percentage over expectation, that's 4th. And a 90.7 PFF grade, that ranks 3rd. So... Um, you can see the foundation of an elite quarterback from those stats, and he would probably be a tier up from the Pro Bowl, uh, in my opinion, but probably um, lesser than what Josh Allen and Mahomes have shown this year. Um, he also could probably move up to the top spot, but I think it would take a little bit of slippage from Mahomes and Allen for him to get there. Um, yeah, let me know your thoughts. Yeah, I have a lot of the same thoughts with uh, Burrow. I was incredibly impressed with him this year because especially at the start of the year, people were starting to look at uh, Burrow with him kind of, I don't even know what it was at the start of the year, but he did have a bit of a fall off and people were starting to look at him as like, maybe it was a one season wonder almost. We were almost getting to that point before he started to improve. And we talked about in the midseason that, we think the way Burrow's been had been playing as of recent at that time that he could easily shoot up in the rankings, and that's exactly what he did. He was nowhere near this number three type of spot, which uh, he is at right now uh, at that point in the season, and he, I'd say, pretty comfortably at that spot now, and he did it while losing his best receiver, as PD mentioned, with Jamar Chase being out for a considerable amount of time, and he absolutely unlocked another facet of his game that made me feel that he might have been even better than last year. I do I do think he was better than last year because uh, a lot of his throws last year were going to Jamar Chase. A lot of the offense was focused upon Jamar Chase. And this year he's came out and showed that 
Uh, he is a great quarterback, and Jamar Chase makes him better for sure. He, he He's going to make anybody better. But Burrow can still score at a high rate and still be an elite quarterback without a, a top-tier number one receiver like Jamar Chase. We saw him unlock that uh, intermediate and short pass game even more, which like, I, I do think he always had. PD mentioned he showed it quite a bit at LSU for sure. And that I, I do think the deep ball is still a strong suit. But he showed one time and time again this year that he can hit them, he can hit people down low and still beat you deep when he does get a guy like Jamar Chase back. So I'm just incredibly impressed by Burrow. I also put him in that upper tier with Mahomes and Allen above the Pro Bowl caliber. And uh, I think he's firmly there as well. I don't really think he can hurdle Allen and Mahomes. I think he's going to have to have like an incredible run. Uh, probably a Super Bowl winning one if he wants to hurdle either of them because I do think Mahomes and Allen did not put up like the type of stinkers, so to say, that Burrow put up early in the year. But second half of the year or uh, probably this last quarter of the year, I'd say, Burrow was as good as anybody and I might have taken him o- over someone like Allen in that last portion of the year. Especially that portion when Chase was out and he was still performing at a very high level. The Bengals' offense was scoring a lot of points with Joe Mixon kind of regressing, that offensive line not improving as they should have as quickly as they needed to, and then obviously Chase being out. It was really just Higgins and a bunch of, you know, Higgins, Boyd, and a bunch of guys who were maybe barely on an NFL roster, and Burrow kind of translated his game like it was nothing. So props to him for his season, incredible year, and I think he's headed toward being a elite quarterback for years to come. Yeah, all right. So let's move on from that tier, um, who, guys who are clearly in for us. Well, before you move on, I, I don't know how you want to talk about it, but I do have two other quarterbacks who I feel are clearly in. So do you want to mention your next tier, and I'll say who of those are uh, who I believe differently, or should I mention who I think are in, and you can talk about why you think they're not. Yeah, it's it's um, it's the same same idea, I think, because they I would probably have them in if not for. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna get into it. So Go the ahead. reason that uh, so these three guys, uh, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, these guys are not gonna make my list, but I think they're playing at a Pro Bowl level when they're healthy, and they're it, them playing through injury or missing time is the reason that they're being held off this list. And I think the two guys that you wanted to mention are in those two, in those three, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the first one, I think, honestly, I, I do know PD, and I know he does uh, harp on a lot about injuries being a major factor. And I'm glad with him being a pretty big Jalen Hurts fan, he's pretty consistent with this and still put him out with him missing those two games. But to me, I think Hurts is still, despite missing – those two games, which personally I don't think is a whole lot anyways. I think he absolutely should be in without question. I think the way he was playing the rest of the year was absolutely elite. Not Probably not as elite as the other three, but just a tier below in my opinion. And he was absolutely dominating the league, really. He did have a couple of poor performances to end the year off. 
kind of dealing with that injury. But before that, I'd say he hadn't really had a poor performance pretty much the rest of the year. He was playing pretty well. And not only was he an absolutely great passer, he developed incredibly from his previous year. So obviously the signing of A.J. Brown and the emergence of Devontae Smith have uh, helped him a lot as a passer. But he took it into another gear as a rusher as well. There were games where he was breaking records for rushing yards, and I think uh, they were using him in a way where he was absolutely unstoppable in the open field and getting him in positions where he could just uh, pretty much tear apart defensive backs in the open field. And he he had an incredible number of touchdowns rushing too. I believe it was 13. Uh, I think he was only second to Mahomes in number of touchdowns accounted for out of all quarterbacks this season. So to me, Hurts is a definitely in, even despite missing those two games. Yeah, um, I, I, I I like the thought there with Hurts. Um, I don't actually think he had a single bad game. Um, other than this Week 18 performance, the one where he came off injury didn't really look right. Uh, hopefully he can heal up and uh, look like he normally does uh, in the divisional round. But um, I appreciate the thought because his value is tied so much to his deep ball passing, um, his ability to hit routes over the middle of the field when uh, his receivers get one or two steps, and his rushing, of course. And he just mm-hmm. picks up first downs like it's nothing. He gets touchdowns in the red zone like it's nothing because of his strength um, and his ability to execute the QB sneak at a really high level. Um, and, yeah, he's just aggressive in hunting his matchups when, when they're presented to him on the outside. Um, and he's developed his accuracy significantly. So um, I don't really mind you putting him there, but, you know, the injuries the injuries are yeah. the thing that takes him off for me. Of course. And one thing to comment on that hurts injury – I think, I don't know how PD feels about it, but I do think that last game he came back, he didn't quite look himself. And I think it would be a shame if this Eagles team wastes this season or, yeah, wastes such a great season because of an unfortunate injury like this. It would be great for my Niners if that Eagles team is a lot weaker, but hopefully Hurts can go and healthy with the playoffs and we can see a full-fledged Eagles team. Uh, but moving on from Hertz to another quarterback who I feel uh, should be in that in list. And I think with Hertz, I mentioned, I'm not as huge of a guy in uh, take, not taking away, but I don't bring people's rankings down as much as like a PD would due to injury or playing through injury. Uh, that's just how I evaluate quarterbacks. And with that being said, and as some of you may know with, Throughout the season, I've always been a Justin Herbert guy. He was my pick for MVP. So maybe it's slightly biased, but I would also have Justin Herbert in. And I think he's, he, in my opinion, is like the a solid five over here out of the list of names that we're talking about. Because outside of, he did suffer that rib injury early in the year where we saw him have maybe a three, four game rough patch. But outside of that, and I believe one game like the Tennessee game later in the year, I think it was, outside of the the games he played through like a terrible injury and maybe one game the rest of it, he was absolutely incredible with uh, 
him being one of the best quarterbacks, not only in the league currently, but in history at avoiding sacks with such a poor offensive line. He was able to keep that offense going despite him getting very little blocking. He was he has incredible accuracy and was very good at not putting the ball in harm's way. I think this year he improved a lot in something we've always wanted Herbert to improve on in his ability to know when to go deep and when to not be aggressive and when to be aggressive because we always felt a guy like him with such a big arm, he's got to do better at being aggressive. I think this year, especially towards the second half of the year, he's started to learn when and when not to be aggressive a lot more, and we're seeing that translate a lot in his game. Uh, He was second in uh, passing yards this year, only short of Mahomes, and accounted for pretty much all of, a lot of his team's touchdowns as well. It was just him and Austin Eckler, really. And I think the biggest thing that really impressed me uh, impressed me this year is the fact that he didn't really have Keenan Allen a lot this year, and he missed Mike Williams for like six weeks as well. So there was a big chunk of the season, which was their most important chunk of the year because that's where they the Chargers solidifies themselves as a playoff team. Justin Herbert was playing with guys like Josh Palmer at receiver one and no real receiving threat whatsoever with poor blocking. And he was still putting up great numbers, still leading that Chargers offense to definitely nowhere near as much points as they normally would have scored, but still enough to win them those games despite having a, a bunch of drops at that point. It's not a whole lot of separation. And maybe, like, at face value, his stats do not look as good as the other four guys. And to me, Herbert definitely is not someone who I'd put above Pro Bowl caliber like I would uh, the other guys we've mentioned. But I do think he's a firm Pro Bowl caliber for what he's done, in my opinion. I'm impacting a lot, the his lack of roster talent a lot, And the fact that he was able to kind of will this team into the playoffs, and it wasn't him getting carried. It was him contributing heavily to wins uh, with this. And that's the biggest reason why that team has won 10 games and is the five seed right now. So for that reason, Herbert's in there. I do understand the argument that if you don't take into account the injury that he played through, uh, those games definitely don't look the best. But... I, that's how I look at things, and that's why Herbert's in there for me. Yeah, so um, I wanted to touch on the sack point that you that you uh, were talking about. So um, Herbert's sack rate um, from year one to year two to year three goes 5.1% to 4.4% to 5.2%, right? And those are all above league average numbers. But what I really wanted to focus on, and this, this might be due to the injury, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but... He went through a stretch from, um, what is it, week 11 to week 15 or 16. Um, and in those games, he, here are his total sack numbers. He has 25 sacks in six games, and it goes 5-4, five, 5-4. Four, five, four, no, those are, rush, those wow. are rushing numbers. My bad. 5-4, <laughs> five, 4-3-4. Four, five, four, four. So that that is – that's kind of – you don't really see that with with the all time greats at avoiding sacks. Like a Dan Marino would never have like a stretch where he has like five four five four three four sacks, and it's like it it does make me question a little bit um, uh, Herbert's ability to avoid sacks, which I think is still um, 
one of his best traits, but I'm not so sure um, whether it's in, in the all-time category, like it looked like in, in the first portion of the year. Um, and there's other indicators that tell me that it's not necessarily because of health, because his performance overall looks a lot better. Um, it's around that Falcons game where I think he started to turn it around. But this stretch is later into the season, and he's just taking sack after sack. So um, it's just something that I wanted to think about and something that I questioned. But I understand your reasoning. Um, if I gave him, like, if I if I put his situation as equal to something as, like, the Jaguars last year, which I don't think it is, then he would be in for me too. But um, he's he's going to be out for me because of the injury, and I'm not going to call the situation as bad as, like, the Jaguars last year. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything that you wanted to talk about with Lamar, or do you not think that well, he's... Well, with Lamar, I also have him just a bit out, uh, as you do. And I believe we talked about this earlier. You would have him in if his injury wasn't taken into account at all. Yep, yep. And it's the same for me. But to me, with injuries, the way I look at it is if you miss a minimal amount of time or, like, no time like Herbert, uh, I take it very little into account because he didn't really miss a whole – like, someone like Hurts didn't really miss a whole lot of the season. Herbert didn't miss any of the season. But if I look at those games, the games he was clearly injured. It was only a handful of games. With the guy like Lamar, he hasn't played since week 13 – to me, that's a significant in, enough amount of the season to where I look at him compared to a lot of the other guys this year who have been elite. Uh, I can't put him up there simply because he just didn't play enough games. There wasn't enough of sample size for me to say, okay, he's as elite as them. Got it. But Got within it. the games he has played, uh, outside of a bit of a three-week rough patch he had between, I think it was like, weeks uh, four to six or something like that, maybe four to seven. I think he was pretty elite outside of those games. And I think had he had the rest of his season to play, uh, I do believe he would have ended up making the Pro Bowl. And within those 13 weeks, I I think I had him just out or just in right on that border. And uh, Lamar is definitely the type of guy who could have played himself into it. Uh, This season was definitely tough for him with – the Ravens dealing with so many injuries. He had absolutely no supporting cast. And I'm hoping he can come back and put together a solid performance versus the Bengals uh, in the playoffs. Uh, I don't think they win that one, which maybe we'll get into later, but because that Bengals team is much better. But, yeah, that's why I have uh, Lamar out. All right. That, that makes sense. You kind of want to see, like, a like a base base level of, of play to consider yeah i i feel i feel like for me maybe uh, i don't have a rigid number but about 15 16 games to me in this like new 17 game season is like that's good like you're good at that point when you get to the point when you you've played like 12 games i think that's a bit too low for me to consider you uh in the same light as some of those other guys all right that, that, that makes sense um i yeah. get where you're coming from all right, let's move on to the next category that I have here, which is guys who have been injured and they've been playing poorly. So uh, a couple of different factors affecting them here. And the two guys I have here are Tua Tungvaluwa and Dak Prescott. So let's start off with Tua Tungvaluwa. He's still second in EPA per play at 0.242 EPA per play generated. Um, he's 
ninth in completion percentage over expectation at 1.4, and he has an 81.9 PFF grade, which is eighth. The thing with Tua um, that has happened over the past, uh, I don't know, like two months maybe, he's he's definitely played through injury. Um, his his concussions have definitely taken an impact on him, I think, and it's yeah, most clear in the in the Packers game. Um, we saw the clip that was circulating online of him uh, being slammed to the ground, and after that point, he just did not look the same. Um, and this this was this was during a game where the Dolphins were putting up like whatever, like three hundred yards per attempt or whatever it was. It was ridiculous what they were doing. Um, and Tua throws three interceptions in that second half. Um, I think it was three consecutive drives, if I'm not mistaken. But um, Tua just did not look the same in that game, and he's been ruled out for a couple games since then. So um, it's injury causing poor play, but then also he has just not been seeing the field as well and making the right reads. I think uh, we talked about the Chargers game on the Bills game. He put the ball in harm's way a couple of times, but I don't think it was it was a terrible performance that, that would – take him out of the running for something like this but um you know it's it's a com- combination of factors for Tua um I don't know how you feel about Tua but uh, I'm sure you don't have him in here yeah so I agree with both where I don't have them in there but to me these two quarterbacks aren't necessarily in the same tier because to me I I, I do have them not in because of both the factors you've mentioned but to me Tua is a clearly a step up from how Dak's playing. And I'm sure you you agree with this as well. But to me, there was a portion of the season, like week two and week three, and then that five-week stretch where he was at, at a, on an absolute tear, where Tua was playing at an MVP level, and he was playing at something that we were calling borderline elite at the point middle point of the season, and somebody we thought could maybe even jump into that Mahomes-Allen, uh, now Burrow tier, uh, if he continued to play this way the rest of the year. Whereas someone like Dak, uh, he obviously didn't really play the, the first six weeks of the year. And then it took him a couple of weeks to settle in. And then we got like a good stretch. And then this last couple of weeks of the, the season he's ended off on has been absolutely abysmal in my opinion. So I think Dak never really had that stretch that Tua had where he was absolutely elite. I think Dak's peak this year was like a good starter. And I'm really not that high on Dak's season as a whole because I don't feel like he had too many games that impressed me this year. And he had a lot of games that didn't impress me whatsoever were uh, borderline not starting worthy, especially uh, a game we just saw last week versus the Commanders. Obviously, that game had no meaning, but he did play that entire game. He had 37 attempts, and he looked absolutely horrible going into the playoffs which at this point in the year uh he's been way removed from the injury that's not a factor and going into the playoffs he can't be playing like this so to me Dak is not really anywhere near I have some honorable mentions I'll talk about later uh Dak didn't really make that either uh Tua to me is someone who just missed out uh obviously the injury being a huge factor but another thing I want to touch on is something we talked about after that Niners-Dolphins uh, game. Uh, me and PD kind of disagreed on one thing where uh, we were saying that the uh, PD was saying that the refs kind of let the Niners have their way with the Dolphins receivers. 
and that was a big reason as to why. And the Chargers did it as well the next week, and that was a big reason why that Tua wasn't able to play as well as he normally would, and that's something that might correct in the future. And I was kind of on the side of this might just way be the way that teams play uh, play the Dolphins, and they might take a couple pass interferences if it means kind of cutting off the middle of the field for Tua and forcing him to beat teams outside the numbers. And, yeah, I do think that concussion has had a factor, but I think the biggest factor has been this difference in the way that teams are playing Tua, where they're not giving him those easy passes to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle over the middle, which he was just absolutely killing teams with because he's got that elite anticipation on that side of the field or that portion of the field. I think teams are making it a point to take it away because, in my opinion, he's so much worse at the other side of the game that uh, pretty much taking away that part that he's good at limits him significantly. And that's also a big reason why we've seen a downturn in his play. And I'm interested to see if he corrects it. I don't think it'll end up happening this season because of his injuries, unfortunately. Uh, I don't even know if he's going to end up playing in this playoffs uh, in the playoff game, but hopefully that's something he can work on moving forward. And most importantly, I hope he can be healthy moving forward. Yeah, I at this point I have kind of given up on Tua's season. I just want to see what he can do next year. Um, he there's way too much going on uh, that are confounding his level of play. Uh, initially, it was an incredibly high level supporting cast that caused both of us to have questions. And then it's been his injuries. Do we know? Are we sure whether it's the injuries or just the competition that he's going up against? Um, and then we're we're now seeing him like miss games actually. So uh, too much going on. I just want to see him next year. That's that's really where I'm at. Um, and then as for Dak, the the thing with Dak is he hasn't had he he's he's had three terrible games in my opinion. Like like truly terrible. Um, like awful. Yeah. Like. Like you, you should not be winning with this level of starting quarterback play. Um, they did win one of those games, but it was against the Colts, so I, it barely counts. Um, <laughs> and then the other two games uh, were the first game of the season and the last game of the season, which is um, he put the ball in harm's way. Uh, I I say five times in in those three in those two games. Um, the the Washington game was was pretty bad, but the the Tampa game was like the most egregious one to me. Um, where he just couldn't make anything happen uh, deep down the field and threw a couple terrible uh, th- threw a couple terrible passes that that deserved to be intercepted. And so when when twenty five percent of your season is terrible games, it's just going to be very difficult to to make the Pro Bowl tier and add on to the fact that um, he doesn't really have multiple elite games. The only game that jumps out to me as elite was against Chicago and uh, and Minnesota, and mm-hmm. and so when you when you have that as your profile, and you miss a ton of games, it's just not going to happen uh, for Dak. Um, yeah, and that's and, why to me he's definitely a step below Tua. And and we're kind of seeing like a, a pattern in his career where um, I, I don't want to go uh, too high of a level, but I think this just kind of adds to kind of the story of Dak where. If you have a really high level supporting cast around Dak, he will pick you apart, and he will consistently look like a Pro Bowl level quarterback. Um, the seasons that stand out for this are 2016, um, 2019, uh, 2020 when he was healthy. Um, I know he got injured, but he w- he was awesome before he got hurt. And then 2021, he was awesome again uh, before getting injured. 
Um, and the other three seasons of his career kind of stick out to me as where like the supporting cast is worse, but he's just not not playing the same level. And this year it was kind of like a different story. Um, I, I've hinted in the past that Dak puts the ball in harm's way a little too much for his archetype of player, but this this year was him just putting the ball in harm's way too much for any type of player. And an incredible amount. Yeah, and he's he's first in the league in interceptions, and some of those have been unlucky. But when when you're first in the league in interceptions, and you're you've missed significantly four, less games played. Too yeah, and you've missed that many games. I mean that that has to be an indica- indicator, right? So, yeah. um, it, in even if it if it was like all time horrible luck, um, he he'd still be putting the ball in harm's way quite a lot. Um, I think that only. Josh Allen and um, who else would stand out as, as this level? Uh, Josh Gino, Allen, maybe Gino, um, maybe maybe Zach Jared Goff, Wilson. maybe Zach Wilson. These are the guys that that like stand out as putting the ball in harm's way more than Dak, and that's that's not good company when you're not capable of generating explosive plays like like the the elite guys that I mentioned there, and the other guys that I mentioned are, are bad quarterbacks. So um, yeah, you know. Uh, we, we we'll we'll see what he does next year, but I, I don't think this was a great year for Dak. Yeah, definitely a disappointing one. And one thing I wanted to say is, you did say that he hasn't been great in previous years with a bad supporting cast, and he's been borderline elite, if not elite, some years with good supporting cast. But this year, I feel like is a bit of an anomaly because I don't think his supporting cast was that bad to warrant. Uh, how bad he's been. I think his receiving right, core right. has been... C.D. Lamb's been incredible. The rest of his receiving core, maybe not so much. But just C.D. Lamb alone should be good enough to not be as bad as he's been. His running game with the combo of Zeke and Pollard, I feel like they've finally found a good uh, balance between those two, meaning Pollard getting more touches or than he, he has in the past. Uh, that defense has obviously been incredible and one of the best in the league. I think Dak, this is one of the first years, if not the only year, where I feel like he's truly holding the team back. And that's a little disappointing to see from him. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree with everything that you said there. Maybe I should amend what I said to, like, he's playing with a sub-elite cast, maybe. And when he plays with an elite mm-hmm. cast, there's no one that can stop him, I think. So... Um, yeah. yeah, like, but let's, let's see what he looks like in the postseason. He has a chance to move up his ranking, but he's not going to, he's not going to break into the Pro Bowl too. There's just no chance. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on to this next group, which I, which I've called, um, the could still get in group. And it's two guys that have been on the rise since poor starts. And that's Tom Brady and Trevor Lawrence. So starting off with Tom Brady, uh, a 0.082 EPA per play for him, which ranks 15th. Uh, 0.7 completion percentage over expectation, which ranks 16th, and a 79.7 PFF grade, which ranks 10th. So you're seeing like kind of like a strong starter type play for for Tom Brady with those indicators, but not necessarily Pro Bowl level. Uh, and then for Trevor Lawrence, um, 0.133 EPA per play, which ranks 9th, 1.4 completion percentage over expectation, which ranks 8th, and 77.4 PFF grade, which ranks 13th. So again, um, another guy who looks like a strong starter for his entire entire sample this season, uh, but not necessarily Pro Bowl level play. Um, I think that uh, Tom Brady has a chance to really cut up this this Cowboys defense. 
he has answers to basically everything at this point uh, in his career. And the one thing that's been holding them back in, in this season is the fact that um, the deep ball with Mike Evans has not been at the level that it, it has been in years past. And if they can get that going um, and he just kind of stops missing these random throws, which he's been missing a lot this year, um, he has a chance to have a really special performance against the Cowboys and maybe even a special playoff run if they can win. Um, and then moving on to, to Lawrence, um, he's been absolutely on fire since I'd say like week 11, maybe. Um, he's just been absolutely monstrous down the stretch. And we kind of hinted at this, right? Um, we said uh, he and Justin Fields were guys who we could see potentially uh, making a leap and, and driving themselves into this Pro Bowl tier. And while I don't think Lawrence has been uh, Pro Bowl tier all the way, um, I think that this last stretch has almost been MVP worthy uh, in my book. He's he's just not putting the ball in harm's way as much and generating uh, explosive plays down the field while being pretty nice of a passer underneath. Uh, he doesn't take many sacks, of course, and, you know, just, just an awesome stretch that he's put together. Yeah, my thoughts on this tier of yours, I feel like once again, just like the last tier with Tua and Dak, I'm very much split on both of these two guys where I wouldn't necessarily put him in this in the same tier, really. Uh, I mentioned earlier I had a top eight. We mentioned we've talked about seven out of eight of them before. The last one being Gino, who we'll talk soon. I have him, I guess, in a bit of a higher regard. Uh, but the first honorable mention I had is Trevor Lawrence. And as we said earlier in this uh, earlier in the last episode, Lawrence was definitely one of those guys who at that point in the year was starting the turn up that PD mentioned. And we were like, maybe this is a guy who could, if he continues to play this way, could absolutely play himself into this Pro Bowl tier. And for me, or he, me he just barely missed it. Because for me, the top eight is like my Pro Bowlers, with the five I mentioned earlier being my Pro Bowl caliber guys. And Trevor Lawrence just barely missed it at what I would probably put him at like nine or ten. And it's absolutely because earlier in the year, he had many, many games where he just didn't look like the guy we've seen recently where he was putting the ball in harm's way a lot more. He was not hitting those throws that he's been hitting, and uh, he just wasn't playing his game, which is working from the short to intermediate game to then attacking deep once the defense has adjusted and just using his high-level football IQ and his incredible size to just pick defenses apart. And this last half of the season, that's exactly what we've seen him do. Apart from, I think, one or two games, probably that big Detroit loss, and then uh, that Houston loss we saw maybe a week or so ago, I think he's been absolutely incredible that second half of the year. I wouldn't pro I probably wouldn't put him in that MVP tier or borderline MVP tier that PD said, but I think he's been lights out. I think he's been elite, very accurate. Uh, he went from a guy who threw 17 picks and led the league last year in interceptions to a guy that only threw eight. And some of the, that has had to do with him being uh, lucky with uh, interceptions a little bit. But when you take your total interceptions and cut it in half, uh, that there is clearly some improvement there. And I think that's definitely where he improved his game the most. He was never the type of guy in like college and high school to put the ball in harm's way a lot. Maybe that's because of the level of play, 
but we saw that a lot in his rookie year, and I love the fact that uh, even though he's not perfect at that yet, he's definitely improved a lot in that aspect, and I think if he keeps doing that, uh, he can go from wherever he's at now, which is a really strong starter to borderline Pro Bowl, to that elite level if he just fixes that aspect of his game. Because as far as accuracy goes, as far as anticipation goes, as far as reading defenses goes, he's getting to that point where you can call him elite in all of those categories, especially in uh, reading defenses, I would say, because there are games I've seen uh, with him where he's absolutely picking people apart and just beating teams mentally and always going to the right spots. And I love that about Lawrence because that's what he was supposed to do coming in. And we didn't see a whole lot of that last year. And I love that we saw it this year. All right. Um, I don't think I have anything else to add. You said that all nicely. Um, mm-hmm. Let's move on to the guy that you mentioned and a guy who I would put hand in hand with him into this year. I say, um, I call it, it would take a miracle. Um, and that's Geno Smith and Kirk Cousins who are playing kind of tough matchups, I would say. Uh, for Kirk Cousins, it's not like the Giants defense is difficult, but if they win um, and go against the Eagles, that that would be a pretty difficult matchup. He would have to he would have to do quite a lot there to to move up in in this uh, thought process. Um, so for Geno Smith, he's got a point zero eight six EPA per play this year, which ranks fourteenth. Five seven completion percentage over expectation, which is first, and a 78, 79.8 PFF grade, which is ninth. So he certainly does have the profile of like a fringe pro ball type guy. Um, Kirk Cousins, a point zero five eight EPA per play, which ranks 19th. Uh, 1.3 completion percentage over expectation, which ranks 11th. And a 77.4 PFF grade, which ranks 13th. So kind of like a profile of a strong starter, like we mentioned last time. Um, the reason why Gino is in this would take a miracle tier and not in the could still get in tier is because one, he's going up against a really tough defense in the Niners defense. And the last time that he was in Santa Clara to face the Niners. It did not go so well. It was it was maybe his worst game of the year, quite honestly. But the bigger thing for me that I'm looking at uh, with the patterns of Geno's play is that he seems to do really well against bad defenses, and his play against elite defenses has not been the same. Um, normally, that's that's like that's like expected, right? You you would get worse against elite defenses, but the the difference between how other guys perform against elite defenses versus Gino is what I'm measuring. And I don't think he has the ability to gauge his level of aggression um, when going up against elite defenses. And you can see this when maybe he's going up against like a high level corner, like JC Horn, and he throws a bunch of interceptions or interceptable passes into the end zone against the Panthers um, where he doesn't really have a regard for, uh, how tight the window is, he'll just fire it in there anyway. And we've kind of praised Gino for this level, this level of aggression before, but it's 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 all a balance, right? And once you go over a certain point and you're putting the ball in harm's way more than you're generating explosive plays, um, and he's not exactly like, or the Seahawks offense isn't exactly gen, uh, designed to um, have short passes where you just dink and dunk your way uh, down the field and you can generate little. Uh, you can generate little cuts in the defense like that. No, they're looking for big chunks, and they, they want to attack down the field aggressively. And so when you are putting the ball in harm's way more than you're generating those explosives, which is what Gino has been doing recently, 
uh, I think that's that's a, a bad sign for your offense. And and Gino's kind of just been average to me since since we made the first Pro Bowl uh, episode, and um, he's kind of really dropped down these rankings. And I wouldn't expect him to turn it around um, against the Niners. Uh, okay, well, a couple things I want to talk about. One, I forgot to really say much about Brady in the last one, so I'll touch on him briefly. Uh, I mentioned a bit that I think he's in a different tier than Lawrence, and I think that he's just a bit below because I think with Lawrence, we did see a lot of those elite games, whereas with Brady, I think I could really say there was one elite game, which I felt like was that Carolina game a couple weeks ago, and the rest of it was either a bunch of mid-games or him playing poorly, which is weird to say when it's someone like Tom Brady. Uh, I guess another elite one that does stand out was the Kansas City game earlier in the year, which I forgot about. But overall, just not a whole lot of elite performances like we saw out of Lawrence. And uh, I think it would be incredibly difficult for him to jump into that Pro Bowl tier because of that. Uh, I do think he has a good matchup versus the Cowboys, like uh, PD mentioned. And I do think just, just off the fact that he's Tom Brady and the Cowboys always choke, that could be something to pay attention to, even though the Cowboys have a much better team and uh, really should be winning this game. Uh, Brady's just someone you can never count out. But I do think overall this year, uh, he wasn't really anywhere near the Pro Bowl for me. So he might be more of this in the would-take-a-miracle tier for me that PD mentioned with Gino and uh, Cousins. And moving on to a guy like Gino. So Gino, I did have, he's the final guy in my top eight. My other uh, seven being Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Hertz, and Herbert. Obviously, those are my five who I think are firmly in the Pro Bowl. And the other two I had just outside of that is Tua and Lamar, who I felt were pretty elite. And if it wasn't for those injuries, they might be in that top five. And Gino, the only reason I really have him uh, up there in the top eight is because of his first half of the year. I don't necessarily disagree with PD with what he's saying with the second half of the year. I mean, I don't disagree at all. I think he was definitely went from someone who was an elite quarterback to someone who was very average, and that Seahawks team started to flutter a lot because his play started to flutter. Uh, he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league earlier in the year. Uh, accurate in going to his own team. And for in the second half, he was still accurate, but a lot of those passes ended up going to harm's way. He was accurate to the other team. And you saw all of his numbers dip in terms of completion percentage, number of completions, uh, just talking about the raw numbers there. He definitely was nowhere near as accurate. Uh, I just think his first half of the year was so good that just off the merit of that, just off the strength of that, in a little bit of a relatively weak quarterback year, he still sneaks into that top eight Pro Bowl type of category just because of how good he was earlier. Because at the point uh, we were talking about in the uh, the first episode, it was Mahomes, Allen, and then him. He was there at that three just outside of that Mahomes, Allen tier. And we were thinking maybe if he limits a little bit of those turnover-worthy plays, he can maybe jump up into that tier. And clearly he didn't take our advice because he did the absolute opposite. He skyrocketed down because instead of limiting those turnover-worthy plays, uh, we saw him double it, maybe even triple it. 
And maybe it's a factor of someone like Gino starting to get figured out with a lot more tape being there on him. Obviously, he didn't get the chance to play, uh, be a starter for many years, and a lot of people questioned it. Like, why? Uh, maybe we were starting to see why, because he does have that uh, accuracy and he does have that big of playability, but a lot of the time his decision-making is very questionable. So... For me, he's still out of that Pro Bowl caliber that those top five are. If I did have to pick eight, though, for a Pro Bowl, I think Gino would make it for me. And realistically, for him getting into that Pro Bowl caliber, like PD said, it's really not happening when he's playing a team like the Niners, which he absolutely struggled with the first time. He looked like the Gino of old, and I really don't see anything changing. And to quickly touch on Kirk Cousins... To me, it would take a whole lot more than one miracle. It would probably take two, three miracles to see a guy like Kirk Cousins sneak into the Pro Bowl caliber for me. Because time and time again, we see it every year with Kirk. And I think at this point, every NFL fan knows you really can't trust Kirk Cousins in big games. It's unfortunate to say. And that's why everyone thinks this Vikings team is fraudulent. Uh, and I, I don't really, even though they're a three seed with, I believe 13 wins. Uh, I don't think anyone really has them coming out of that NFC. And I think it's mainly because teams, people just don't trust that Vikings offense in the prime time. And it's primarily because of Kirk Cousins. And he was definitely one of the most up and down quarterbacks this year for me. Because we'll see him play games where he looks absolutely elite. Like that second Detroit game, he looked incredible. Uh, the game versus uh, Indy in that second half, he looked incredible. But then with like the season on the line, the two seed on the line, you see him lose and play abysmal uh, uh, versus the Packers. Or earlier on in the year, we see him shit the bed in primetime versus the Eagles. And it's just those types of games that are always going to hold Cousins back for me. Because if I can't trust him in those games, and it's not like it's a one-year thing where like, I can say, oh, maybe Cousins will fix this next year, which we can say with a lot of the younger guys. I think with Cousins at this point, we know what we're getting from him. And for that reason, he's firmly out for me, and it would take a lot more than a miracle. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with some of what you're saying. Um, uh, he's, he's been shown to have some poor performances in, in against great defenses. But um, for me... The fact that he's pretty consistent, his baseline is always um, always around the same level. Um, this year it hasn't been, and it's taken a while for him to ramp up back to what he normally does. But um, a, a big thing for me is the fact that he's never injured. Like he He's missed one game since he's joined Minnesota, and that was due to COVID. And that's that's better than basically everyone in the league. Everyone else in the league That's is incredible. suffering for some injuries. Yeah. And that, that kind of consistency is, is what um, it's not really measurable to, for people who are just watching, um, but it, it's picked up by like uh, statistical measures where you just say this guy doesn't miss games. He's, he's playing like 99% of his games, which is, which is incredible. So um, that's, that's, that's the main argument for cousins is the consistency and health. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think he's gonna make it in all likelihood. And yeah, he's in would take a miracle, as in yeah, you you would need a lot to to get in. Um, and then the last group for me, um, I have 
these two guys solidly off. Um, they're not necessarily the same level of quarterback, but I did want to talk about uh, Justin Fields in, in addition to Aaron Rodgers also being solidly off. So for Aaron Rodgers, a .039 EPA per play, which ranks 21st, uh, .5 completion percentage over expectation, which ranks 17th, and a 77.5 PFF grade, which ranks 12th. Um, for Justin Fields, it's a .032 EPA per play, which ranks 22nd, uh, negative 2.4 completion percentage over expectation, which ranks 28th, and a 70.2 PFF grade, which ranks 23rd. Um, Rodgers is one that's pretty interesting to me, and I think there's some indication that he could return to uh, this the Pro Bowl tier. Um, he's still generating explosive plays at an elite level, and his ability to avoid mistakes isn't poor, but I think it is in decline. Um, he does need to put the ball in harm's way more nowadays because his arm is getting a little bit weaker. Um, his legs are definitely getting weaker. Um, he he really can't break out of sacks the same way uh, anymore. And the the biggest thing for, for Rodgers is the injuries this year have caused him to miss so many more throws than he normally does. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, he His accuracy has kind of just gone from – uh, what I would say is elite in 2020 to almost elite, but uh, still incredible in 2021. And this year has just been off for a large portion of the year. And so that's that's the main driver of the decline for Rodgers. Plus, he's taking a lot more sacks that he's responsible for. So um, I guess we'll see with Rodgers. Uh, if he can maybe get into a different situation, uh, or different situation as in like the a different one than he was in this year it may still be the same players uh if he decides to stay in green bay but a team where he's already established chemistry or is playing with elite players that don't need as much chemistry um to work i think we could see a resurgence for rogers but he is past his prime in my opinion i don't think we're going to see uh another uh arc like we did from 2020 to 21 um he could shock me but I, I, I would say that's pretty unlikely at this point. And after this year, he's going to be solidly off because of the declining accuracy and um, elevated putting the ball in harm's way versus other years in the past. Yeah, for me, uh, on those two guys, I did. I mentioned earlier that I had a couple of honorable mentions. The first two we, outside of my top eight, who I talked about earlier, uh, the first two we talked about in Trevor Lawrence and Kirk Cousins, those are my honorable mentions, and I talked about why both of those are right out. And one guy who was in there as well, who necessarily isn't the quarterback that all of these other guys are, but I felt like deserved a mention, hence the honorable mention, is, uh, is Justin Fields. I don't think he played like a quarterback uh, who should be in the Pro Bowl whatsoever. I'll make that clear. But I will say one thing is that he improved significantly. And I do think his rushing ability is absolutely in that Pro Bowl level. Because as like a pure weapon, putting quarterbacks aside, Fields was absolutely elite that like second half of the year where the Bears kind of just figured out uh, how to use him in that side of the game. I think he's might be the mo- most explosive rushing quarterback in the league besides maybe Lamar Jackson, and his speed is definitely up there. He could be the fastest. Uh, he may be just second or third. Who knows? But he's definitely an incredible athlete. I think he definitely, definitely has potential and showed in many games this year that he's got the potential to be that Pro Bowl uh, quarterback if he just improves his passing ability a little bit. 
because we saw games this year where uh, he was elite as a pa- or not even elite as a passer, but just very good as a passer. And because of how good he has as a, is as a rusher, it uh, warranted a elite game. And we did get a bunch of those. Uh, I believe that Detroit game, he was very much like that. Uh, he uh, where he broke off that massive run, and he had a couple of other performances like that where I just felt like he was elite. But I do think he counteracted those performances with some pretty terrible performances that absolutely take him out. And most of that is coming on the passing end. And a lot of it is also the Bears just not trusting him uh, enough because there are a lot of games, especially earlier on in the year, where he simply was not getting the number of pass attempts to even warrant him being a good passer. So I think Fields is just an honorable mention as someone who can potentially develop and become someone like a Hertz archetype maybe with a little bit more rushing than passing. And maybe we could see him in the list uh, with uh, a lot of these guys. But I will say if he was a bit older and didn't have the potential uh, that he does have, like, so I I put him similar to, or probably even lower than someone like a Cousins. And I'm a lot lower on Cousins' play this year is because at this point we know what we're getting out of him and we're not expecting another jump. But with a guy like Fields, I am expecting another pretty sizable jump. And for that reason, I'm a lot more positive with his uh, play this year. And that's why I got that honorable mention. And with Rodgers, I pretty much mostly agree with what PD said. I think at this point we're not getting another... Back the back to back MVP Rodgers we saw the previous two years, we're not getting that back. Uh, I know his team was nowhere near as good as it was the previous two years, but I think he himself was firmly worse. Uh, his accuracy wasn't quite there. I think his arm strength was probably the biggest thing that uh, concerned me compared to previous years. Uh, I don't think he quite had the zip on the ball that he's had in previous years. And a lot of his deep balls, I felt like, uh, ended in being in harm's way than we would see in previous years. In previous years, when you see Aaron Rodgers lo- uh, load up and throw a deep ball, uh, you're thinking your defense is cooked. But this year, aside from probably when he was targeting Christian Watson, I didn't really feel that way. And because I just didn't think he was able to drive the ball as well as he has in previous years. Uh, we talked a lot about it earlier. With I think uh, a big problem with him was his inability to connect with his receivers. And I think the issue with Rodgers really comes down to, and maybe I'm psychoanalyzing too much, but I really do think it's a problem that <coughs> he is a bit of a diva type. And I think when things start going against his way or against what he wants a little bit, he doesn't necessarily put in the effort to make up for it that you might see other quarterbacks do. And obviously this year, his team, it wasn't great. His uh, front office didn't really put the best uh, foot forward and put the best team around him. But you saw towards the end of the year with Rodgers that (coughs) he looked like an absolutely different guy. And I don't think that just came out of nowhere with him just suddenly uh, suddenly playing much better. I think he finally decided to actually connect with his guys and, you know, actually decide to play like the Rodgers of old. So I do think he does still have something left in the tank. He's just got to get put in a situation he likes because that's just the kind of guy he is.
So I think his time with the Packers may be over. And I'd agree with PD that he's firmly out for this year for me. All right. So I think that should wrap up everything that we have to talk about today. Um, when we get to the offseason, we'll do an individual deep dive on everyone here and um, all the quarterback rooms in general uh, in the league. Um, so we'll, we'll touch on it again uh, to see who moved up in the playoffs and uh, who moved down. Uh, but that's after we get into draft content um, and such. Um, but as for the upcoming schedule for us, we'll continue to um, review and preview the playoffs and then maybe start bleeding in some draft content as well in like the Super Bowl week and the Pro Bowl week when um, there's not much else to talk about. So that'll wrap it up for us this time. Anything else that you want to say, buddy? Just that please come back for our playoff ones. This is going to be an exciting playoffs. Uh Already this wild card round is looking exciting. Games like Herbert versus Lawrence, uh, Lamar versus Burrow. Uh, I don't know what Tua's status is, but potentially Allen versus Tua. A lot of exciting matchups. That AFC is looking like a lot of firepower. So tune back in. We're going to be talking about that all playoffs like PD mentioned. And yeah, just excited for a really good playoffs, hopefully. And go Niners. Yeah, it's the best time of the football season. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe, like, do whatever you need to do on whatever platform you're on. That's all from me. That's all from Potty. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Yep, peace. Yeah, we could be